this morning from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 down through verse 17. I just want to read this to you all and talk about trials. Does this apply to anybody here? We all go through trials. So may the word of God minister to your hearts as I read this this morning. Hebrews 12 and verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives." If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright, for you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing he was rejected, For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Well, brothers and sisters, we all go through trials. Our lives are filled with this. There's lots of pain. So this passage applies to every one of us. And the trials that we go through, I think we can say that it's either a consequence of our sin or a consequence of other people's sins. But one way or another, we're going through trials. Sickness and death, which we will all experience, is a consequence of sin in the world. The sin that came by Adam and then was passed to all of us. So, So we're all going to face trials. God has ordained this for us. Uh, It could be physical pain. It could be economic hardship. Somebody loses a job, say. That's a trial. Relationship strains, problems with our children, perhaps. Could be persecution. Uh, Sometimes, perhaps, it's persecution warranted because of something that, you know, we did. Uh, Sometimes, it's just persecution, slander, gossip, whatever. Saying goodbye is also a difficult thing. Something of a trial. Lose a loved one, that's hard, isn't it? Also, a hard day at the office. Emotional strain that comes by being in the presence of angry people, that's hard. That's a difficult thing. Um, Sometimes people aren't treated very well in the workplace. And so you might bring that home with you because it's hard. It's a difficult trial that you've been through conflicts that just can't be resolved, sometimes lack of forgiveness, sometimes just bad communication, disjointed relationships, 
sometimes they're a demonic oppression, you know, just that pressure that you feel when you're being tempted or there's discouraging thoughts or depressing thoughts. Uh, that can be hard too. So there's just a lot of different trials that we go through in our lives. I just mentioned these because I just want to be sure everybody can relate to what I'm talking about. Now, some thoughts here from the passage itself. So just a few thoughts before we go into our time of confession together. The first is that for most of us, uh, we're not going through anything as bad as what Jesus went through. So that, that's so, something that you know, we got to keep in mind, is that Jesus went through all of this, and he was crucified, he was tortured, put on the cross, and I, I don't know anybody personally who's actually gone through that. I know I haven't been crucified. I, 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 you know, if I think about the magnitude of trials that I've faced, uh, I, have, I have not my nail, have put nails through my hands to a cross or anything quite like that. So I know that I have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. So I know that my trials are not as bad as Jesus's. So that's number one. Uh, number two is that uh, no trials, none of this temptation is uh, joyful. It's not happy. It's not a good thing uh, in the sense that we can rejoice over it um, while we're going through the trials. So it's not joyful. It's a painful thing. It's a hard thing. It's grievous. But it's absolutely intended by God for, for us. Now, the other observation is this, is that as Jesus went through all of that suffering for us, he, he was completely innocent of any sin. And we cannot say that about ourselves. We're not innocent. We're, we're sinners. We are chastened and rebuked of God. That's what this uh, text tells us. And at least one element of our trials has to do with this chastening. So that's one element. It's not the only thing, but it's certainly one important thing about the trials that we go through. God is dealing with us. So, so whatever we're facing, we can always say this, that, that God is, has his hand upon us and he's working with us. And the purpose of these trials is chastening. Now, here are some questions that we should not ask when it comes to the trials that we are going through. Here's some questions that sometimes go through our minds, but we shouldn't really be asking these questions when it comes to our trials. What did I do to deserve all of this? So that doesn't really help to, to ask that question. Or is the cause of this catastrophe in my life my own behavior? Uh, am I at fault for my dog getting run over by a car? That, those are questions that we should not be asking. Uh, I'm going to get to the question that we should ask in just a moment. Is the fault for this negative consequence that's come upon my family, my losing a job, a child rebelling in this way or that way, is the cause of this effect me or my wife? Should I blame my wife for this or should I blame me for this? No, no, we, we shouldn't be asking these questions shouldn't be asking who is the ultimate cause in bringing all of this about. And the reason we don't want to ask these questions is because none of us are sovereign over the consequences of things that go on in our lives. We are not, we don't, it's not us in the ultimate sense. 
Now, we may be a cause, a certain cause, a tertiary cause. You know, there may be something we did that may have somewhat contributed to the outcome, but it's not just us that caused what came to us. We are not ultimately wise to assign cause and effect relationships to everything going on in the world. This is the mistake that Job's friends were making. They were trying to align the cause and effect relationship to what was going on in Job's life. And so we have 42 chapters of a book of the Bible that's explaining to us that we're not to ask these questions. We're not to go there. Shut the door. Don't have those conversations. Was this your fault, honey, or is this my fault? Uh, no, I think it was your fault. See, we, we are not to have these conversations. Uh, so what is the question we need to ask? Okay, this is where I want to go. What is the question we need to ask when we are going through these trials? And here it is, the number one question that you and I need to ask when we are facing the trials of our life is this. What is God teaching me? In fact, I'm going to take a moment so you can write that down. What is God teaching me? Or some of you had the electronic device where you'd kind of do this. I get it. That's okay. So instead of saying, okay, the dog got run over, lost the job, the child is rebelling, or this is that is happening, is this your fault, honey, or is this my fault? The question to ask for all of us, brothers and sisters, is this. What is God teaching me? Now, the reason I say this is because of the word chastise. It's basically the wrong word. For some reason, the NKJV and the KJV use the word chastise. It's the wrong word. I don't know why they use it. This, this, is, this is not what we're doing. It's not what God is doing. The word chastise is the Greek word paideia. Does anybody know what the word paideia is or means? It's so crucial to everything going on in your life, every trial that's ever happened to you. Do you know what the word paideia means? It doesn't mean chastise at all. It's the wrong word. What does the word paideia mean? We're to bring our children up in the paideia of the Lord. Have you heard that before? Only about a hundred times from this pulpit. You know, we talk about that a lot. It's, the, it's training. It's teaching. Yeah. So the point is, and by the way, this, and just a, an application to this, I, I don't believe that the, the purpose of using the rod or correction in your home is punishment. I think that's the wrong word. It is to train or to teach. We are teaching our children. We're not punishing our children. We're teaching our children. And that's based entirely in Hebrews chapter 12. So please use biblical language. You know, think in terms of biblical terms. Uh, when you're disciplining your children, you're teaching your children. You're not punishing them. Okay? So when God is chastising us, that's what we read in here, he's not really punishing us. He's teaching us. So the question to ask in every trial you've ever been through in your life is, is this question. What is God teaching me? And so our prayer is always, God, would you teach me? Father, teach me. I'm ignorant. I, I need your help here. The idea of training or teaching or nurture is in the intent to the word paideia is this. The word paideia comes from the word uh, baby or little child. From the pie element of that is, is little child. So the idea is to take a little child and make them a grown-up. So the idea in training a child, or the idea of the father training you and me, is to make us a, an adult. That we start out as little baby Christians. And uh, whether you first became a Christian at 5 or 15 or 50 years of age, you're a child at the beginning. You're a baby Christian 
And God wants you to grow up. He wants you to be a grown-up Christian. He wants mature Christian men and women out of us. And so, so that's the objective of any you know, parent who's trying to raise a child. They don't want that two-year-old to act like a two-year-old for the rest of their lives. Right? Isn't that true? We don't want the two-year-old to act like a two-year-old when they're 28. So that's the same thing. It's the same word used here in Hebrews chapter 12. So what we need is a more robust faith, a more robust hope, a more robust love that conquers all fear. Uh, That's what we need to be. And I've seen this about myself up until recently. I've seen myself as a little child, something of a baby Christian. I have not been a very mature Christian, especially in my interaction with trials. So I need to grow up. And I'm realizing more and more that the more recent trials that God has brought into my life is to make me more mature. I have been too much of a baby Christian uh, still hanging out in the playpen, the spiritual playpen. So I'm hoping this for myself. I'm hoping this for our body, that we would become more mature Christians, that we would respond to trials in the right sort of way, uh, and that we would have less pride and more consistent humility. Uh, We need to be less self-centered and learn what it is to deny ourselves, take up the cross daily and follow Jesus every single day, all day long. Uh, Now, the most important part of the trials... And this passage here is, uh, this is my final point, is how we react to it. So let's end here. How do we react to trials? We talked about the purpose of trials is, is training. God wants us growing up. But uh, what is the most important thing to do in trials? Or what is the most important lesson to take from our own trials? And it has to do with how we react to our trials. There's only two possible reactions to trials. And this certainly applies to children as they are being uh, taught Uh, trained using the rod or whatever form of discipline you use. Uh, There's only two possible reactions to this. One is a hardening and the other is a softening. So, So that's it. Are the trials hardening us or are the trials softening us? Children sometimes when they receive some correction from a parent, they respond in pride and anger and temper tantrums and sulking. Okay, so we understand that, don't we? You know, they, sometimes they crawl off by themselves and just, just sulk and think horrible thoughts about everybody for the next two days. You know, that's, that's one way to respond. It's a, it's a bad way. What you want to do is respond to a trial in humility and acceptance and a recognition of the love of the parent and a softened heart. So, so here we're warned not to respond, as Esau did, with bitterness. And bitterness is that hardening of the heart. It's a deep-seated resentment about how you've been treated. You're resentful about uh, how whatever has happened to you, whatever God has brought into your life. At first, it's a resentfulness against people, but at root, uh, it develops into a resentfulness against God. Uh, such that there's not a lot of joy in your life. You don't experience the joy of the Lord or the peace that passes all understanding. There's no real love for God and grace in the heart. When you're in the trial, you're not thinking of the amazing graciousness of God, and you have a really hard time singing the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. So that's the the bitterness approach. It becomes a resentful thing. Uh, as if uh, you owe me, everybody owes me, and that kind of attitude develops, and that bitterness drives a victimization. Uh, the saddest thing is, is this, and that is that these folks will fail of the grace of God. 
That is, there's this loss of gratefulness to God in the midst of the trial. It's a hard time being grateful. Hard time recognizing the, the fatherly hand of God in our lives and realize that God loves me and God is putting me through these things for a reason and he is really bringing the very best for me out of this trial. So it's not recognizing the grace of God but rather growing increasingly bitter towards God and towards others in the trial. But, uh, but the, the, the way that we want to react is really the attitude that's conveyed in verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather uh, be healed. So this is just realizing the grace of God in your life, realizing that God is out for your better good. God is bringing his disciplining hand upon you but his intent is very good, and it's not for us to chafe against it, but to receive it, to know that God is doing something very good in our lives. So there are really two ways to respond uh, to uh, the trials of our lives, whatever it happens to be. It's a hardening on the one hand, or a softening on the other. It could be a discouragement, or a resentfulness on the one side, or an encouragement. It's either being discouraged, or being encouraged. And it all has to do with our perception of God and our reception of the grace of God in our lives. So how do you respond to the trials of your life? Have you become increasingly hardened and ungrateful or are you becoming increasingly softened, encouraged, full of strength, full of a sense that God has a wonderful plan and he's doing a great thing in your life? Which side do you fall on this? Let's take a a moment and confess our sins uh, together with this confession of sin. If you're able, uh, please kneel. Let's just humble ourselves before God. And and even as perhaps there has been a degree of of resentment or discouragement uh, in the midst of the trials, and we forget to recognize that God is gracious to us, uh, to that extent, let's just confess this uh, to, to our God uh, first with this prayer of confession together. Together. O oh, most holy God, since you have given your one and only Son to die for us, have mercy on us, and for his sake grant us forgiveness for all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you, your will, and true obedience to your word. For the sake of Christ, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please you in newness of life to the honor and glory of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.